Hello, Brayden Harrington here from Poison Rana. Thanks for checking us out in your podcast app. Make sure you hit that subscribe. It goes a long way. Thank you. We are giving you a free little sample of a podcast that we put out today over on our Patreon. We were joined by the great Nate Milton. Yes, TN8 has returned to the BDE to chat about the best of Sting. That's right. AEW, WCW, TNA, and maybe even a few buckle bombs in WWE. We chat about all the highest rated matches and moments of the Stinger's career all through the history. Surfer Sting, Crow Sting, and maybe even a little Joker Sting. So here's the first 30 or 40 minutes of this show for free. And if you like it, support your small time creators and go to patreon.com slash poisonrana. For only five bucks a month, you get to become a friend and you get a whole month's access of all the shows that we put out, including all our retro wrestling pay-per-view reviews like WWE reviews, WWF, WCW, ECW. We do retro NXT reviews. We do all sorts of profile pieces like our Nation of Domination recently, our Von Erich show recently, and upcoming we got our review of Rocky coming up, TakeOver Philly, WrestleMania 15. Man, we got lots and lots of podcasts. So, Support your boys. It's only five bucks to become a friend. Patreon.com slash Poison Rana. So here is the first 30 or 40 minutes of the show we just recorded today. And it is a best match ever, Sting. So happy retirement, Sting. And kick those bucks asses. But anyways, enjoy the show. Poison Rana. Harrington here with Davey Portman for Poison Rana, the Patreon, and this is a best match ever. And we are not alone because we are here with a man, the icon, Nate Milton. Hello, TN8. What's what's going on, brothers? Uh, so it's a beautiful night. It's a beautiful night. And, and did you think I would miss this night? Not for nothing. Would I miss this night? I just need some bats hanging around me in a motif uh, like that last nitro. But but it's always good to talk to you guys, man. We were chatting it up before the show, man. We 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 you know did the Christmas thing, you know. But but we haven't really connected like this on a show in a minute, minute. So I'm I'm glad to to, to be here and, and chop it up with you, brothers, especially when we are talking about that man called Sting. Yeah, we you stole the show at the Christmas party with the party quirks, uh, party traits. What is it called? Yeah, party traits. Yeah. Where you were the you were given the assignment on being the firefighter who found Kane and Undertaker's parents burned alive, and man, you were very funny. And we thought we missed you. We haven't done a show with you. We had you on for a best match ever, Mike Awesome uh, Masato Tanaka, which was ages ago, like pandemic time. So that's in the archives. But with the whole 
thing about Sting retiring his last match coming up at Revolution AEW. We thought, why not take a look at the best of Sting? And when it came to mind of who are some of the biggest Sting fans that we know, Nate, I've been uh, listening to you for a long time. And I call you TNA because, you know, when I used to listen to you, that's what I grew up, you know, watching TNA and, and Sting. But I'm sure there's a lot of people who know Sting from from all over. But you are you are. One of the the stingers. Does Sting have a name for his his fans? The Sting Squadron. Stingers <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, back in the day, we were little stingers. Now we big stingers. Some of us <laughs> yeah. bigger than others, depending on our diet and and health routine over the years. Uh, but but yeah, man. Like like I was uh, chatting with Davey uh, during the week, man, leading up to this, and then uh, you know, it's it's been a crazy week for me at the shoot job. Like I'm coming off of day three of cool. open to closes. And, uh, you know, fortunately I'm off tomorrow, but then I was like, you know what? Like if, if, if I can learn anything, some gain, some inspiration from my idol, from, from, from my hero, from my role model, this man, uh, the good Reverend Steve Borden is that, is that even when you're physically tired, you still have to dig deep within yourself and, and find the spirit to be able to overcome anything, Davey Portman, uh, except for Terry Bollea. But other than that, you can overcome anything. <laughs> Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, Starcade 97 won't end up on Best Match Ever Sting uh, as big a moment as that should have been. And maybe about- it, maybe in a parallel universe, it, it would mm. be. What about fake Sting? Uh, Jeff? Jeff Farmer. Does <laughs> <laughs> he show up in this uh, Shout out to Jeff Farmer. <laughs> yeah, uh, we won't be talking about him, unfortunately. So, uh, Nate, you've been a, a Sting fan for quite uh, a while, I believe. What, when was it? Uh, when did he first like come onto your radar, and when did you become, let's say, a Sting guy? So it had to have been like the late eighties. Like I'm thinking, you know, eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, somewhere in that range. Um, and Sting was just a dude that popped off the screen. Like I was always a fan of, uh, you know, NWA, WCW. Uh, more so than WWF at the time. And Sting was this dude that was, he was colorful enough that he could have easily fit in uh, in New York with those WWF characters, but there was a groundedness to him, right? Like he just felt like, yeah, he's colorful. He got the neon and whatnot, but he's also about about that business. You know, Sting Sting was standing 10 toes, 10 toes down before we knew what that meant, Davey Portman. Uh, I, I think just... The charisma, like there was a natural charisma about Sting uh, in the late 80s. And it wasn't a promo thing, because if you listen to some of those early promos, they're a little they're a little rough, they're a little shaky. They're like typical screaming 80s dude promos. But there was a, you could tell, like there was a charisma about him. Obviously, the athleticism uh, was something that, you know, uh, jumped off the screen, no pun intended. You know, he was he was a good guy that you felt good about rooting for. Because even as a kid, I, I knew there was something up with Terry Balea, man. Like, he, you know, he's telling me out here to, you know, do the training, the prayers, and take my vitamins. And I'm like, that body don't come from regular vitamins like I got in the cabinet, Hulkster. Uh, but Sting felt like a good guy that you could root for. And, and uh, you know, at certain points during the 80s, they did a good job of kind of portraying him as this up-and-coming cat that that, you know, kids in particular, you know, got behind. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's a completely one of the biggest characters that has nothing to do with WWE, mm. WWF. Like he was one of the biggest breakthrough characters that that caught on. I think of growing up, you know, I'm born in 1991, but throughout the 90s and early 2000s, you'd see the Sting 
figures and posters and whatever all through stuff. I mean, you'd see a lot of NWO stuff as well, but I always wondered like, oh, who's, who's you know, that kind of guy even before I even got into wrestling because I'd see this like crow s sting. Later up, I'd go and watch the movie The Crow and I'd be like, did this guy just rip this movie <laughs> up? And it's pretty much like, hey, uh, the guy who played The Crow actually died. So it's kind of somewhat in a way a tribute, honestly. And uh, the character itself and Sting and Crow kind of go hand in hand. But you're saying that you've watched him like all these years back. Are you you're you're talking like when he was still like the the colorful surface thing with the with the rat tail, brother? Because like he could have he could have kept teaming with his partner of the Blade Runners, right? It was yep. him and Warrior, right? The two the two guys with the face paint. So really, they went on different careers. Obviously, Warrior became a superstar as well. But like, yeah, like he's. He has different iterations of his career. Yes, they all have face paint and they do similar stuff. And it's just interesting. He was able to make it kind of last even into today. I mean, how many how many decades does this guy's career actually span? Because there is so many different iterations of him and little twerks and, and tweaks to the characters. But everyone does remember the Crow one as the most like memorable. He's uh yeah, quite interesting to me because I got into wrestling, I'd say, around 99. And in the UK, WWF was way more accessible than WCW was. So uh would have, I think, it was one of the, like, it wasn't even Thunder. It was Worldwide or something like that on a Friday night on Channel 5. So we'd catch bits of that, which would show highlights. And whenever I flicked on WCW, I was like, man, it's just a load of a load of old men. <laughs> like you've got Hogan, you got Kevin Nash there. It's, yeah. It never really uh, appealed to me, but I always thought Sting looked kind of cool because he was doing the, you know, the whole crow makeup then. And, but never really watched anything of him. And then obviously he didn't hop over to WWE when uh, they bought WCW for a long, long time. And I never really watched TNA. So it's only kind of as the years gone on, I've then seen. Like I'm looking at sort of old, like stuff in the early '90s and stuff, and like, wait, this blonde guy is also Sting. It kind of, it, I found it hard to get my head around. It was like when I stopped watching WWE and came back, and Bradshaw became JBL. Right. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm sure it's not the same person. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of had that sort of thing, and then really, like my the most I've watched Sting has been in the last part of his career. I mm. was at his uh, first match in WWE against Triple H at WrestleMania 31. Mm. And so I saw his very short WWE run and then obviously this AEW run. And then from doing the, the podcast and the Patreon, we've gone back and looked at old Starcades and feuds with Ric Flair and, and many things where we've seen him in many different part times in his career. Yeah. But um, I find it interesting because I'd say maybe early on he was kind of you know you mentioned partnered with warrior and it was just sort of these two body guys really and i'd say like sting has over the years like just become a, a really good worker and way more than just the body guy but you look at his two tag teams that i think of are you know warrior and probably lex luger from those days and both partners not particularly great in ring, but I think maybe got by from a lot of like, you know, again, Sting being the worker and then just the muscles and the charisma. charisma. But it's yeah. it's crazy. We're going to be looking at a career that like the first match 
we're going to talk about is a year before I was born. And the last match we're going to talk about, Fred and I were at in Wembley, just around the corner from my house, like last year. So it's it's wild that it's we're recording this on February 21st, March 3rd, 2024 is going to be his final match. And there are, are matches in his AEW run that are worthy to be in this list as much of a retirement tour nostalgia tour as you want to call it the guy is still putting in an absolute shift and are having some of the more enjoyable matches whenever we've gone to AEW shows it's sting is is such an attraction and i've never had that embarrassment watching him like we have with other people in the latter part of their careers where we've been going man you should have maybe hung up those boots a few years ago right yeah if you look at you know the Flares or the Hogans uh, or, or, you know, folks of that ilk that were in Sting's era and how they went out and compare that to Sting and AEW. Uh, it's it's night and day. And I think one of the things that makes Sting this performer uh, that can span the test of time is not only the fact that, like, Dude always shows up to work, man. Even in even in TNA, when when they were giving him some of the worst stuff to work with, he <laughs> always showed up to work, and uh, you know, always showed up to help the uh, younger talent coming up, which is another thing that differentiates him from Terry Bollea, uh out here on these streets. Um, the other thing is something that you mentioned, Braden, like the evolution of the character. You know, to go from blonde surfer thing to uh, a little little uh known or little remembered uh era of sting is my 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 favorite era i think it's the era between surface thing and crow sting which i call grown-ass man sting where he was like starting to get you know let the hair grow out more and you know still had the neon paint and stuff like that but it was a darker sting it was a sting that had been turned on by lex luger too many times and 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 you know hulk hogan that did him dirty too many times it was it was pissed off sting you know sting that you know, when, 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 you know, when you get to a certain age, uh, my, my young nephews, you're going to realize all your friends wasn't really your friends. And, and, and all the opportunities that were out there, some of them might not have been the best things to get involved with. And, and, and that was grown ass thing. Uh, and then finally we get to the, to the rafters, which was a great thing. One of the best stories WCW ever told. Uh, one of the best stories in wrestling history, except for that finish. Just don't, don't think about that finish. It's talk eight ninety seven. Uh, and then we get, you know, TNA's thing, which also gives us Joker's thing, which was weird and ridiculous. But also, like, I, I give Sting credit for trying stuff, even at at a point in his career where he could have easily said, nah, I'm not doing this. Uh, uh, you know, I'm too good for this. Uh, you know, I'm big. I'm the biggest star in this company. I don't need this. You know, he's trying stuff to to entertain the fans and and get people over. And, and then A.W., like. AEW's thing, you notice I skipped over that whole WWE thing. I was about to say. You <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about it, but but I have thoughts on the WWE run. Oh, yeah. AEW's thing to me is what the WWE run should have been if they were respectful. Like I I always said, I think the WWE respect, you know, I, I'll take that back because I think the WWE respected Sting, but they didn't love Sting. And there's a difference between love and respect. AW, you could tell they love this dude, and they they give him every opportunity to shine at at his age. And and as you said, Davey, like my man is he's probably like twenty five years older than me, and I'm not jumping off no damn ladders, dog. 
Like, 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 dude is still in great shape for his age. And, and considering how he left the WWE, man, that the fact that we still got like another two years out of this dude's career is pretty cool. Yeah, we were we were at the show in Hamilton where it was uh, Sting and Darby against Jericho and Sammy Guevara in the main event, which which uh, big point in the match is the ladder set up in the ring. In Darby's the ring. going up hmm. and Sting goes, nope. I'll go and Starby's okay. And he dives onto these two tables on the outside, but just cracks his face on the yeah, must have on the second feet. table. He was yeah. Completely bloody. Yeah. And we're second row for this. And I remember this woman in front of us just going, He's out. He hasn't moved. <laughs> and we're like, fuck, is Sting okay? And gets up, and ends up having a bit of a like the final stretch with Jericho, like kind of teasing if we were to get that singles match of him and Jericho for the end. Uh, But really fun match. But what sticks with me is after the uh, show, like in the dark segment, if you will, um, Sting's just like, you know, kind of giving his, he's not announced his retirement tour yet, but he's almost sort of doing that sort of thing. Like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give it all to you. He puts over Derby as the best tag team partner that he's ever had. But I just remember looking at Darby Allen, who Darby does some of the craziest shit. <laughs> and he had this expression on his face, which was like, this crazy motherfucker, like just in complete awe of this man who's twice his age, who's still performing at this level. And it was just really cool to see. And he, and he's made fans of, of this new generation as well, right? Like there's a lot of, we host so many different wrestling parties and we have different like, you know, fans from who watch WWE and AEW and all sorts of stuff. And some of this is brand new to them and trying to like describe, you know, this guy's actually a wrestling legend and I can tell it's an older looking guy, but he's still doing all these crazy things uh, for, for years. Like I grew up in a time of wrestling when he wasn't wrestling and then I got into TNA and then they started teasing that this guy was coming in. I knew of him from the internet being what bare bones of what it was to seeing certain things and matches to like basically tape trading and DVDs and and all sorts of stuff and satellites and illegal means and stuff. But then mm-hmm. finally seeing him like in real time wrestle, I was like, oh, this guy's pretty, he's got an aura to him. He's got the face paint and everything. I instantly, obviously, as a more of a WWE fan, it was like, oh, he reminds me of like The Undertaker. He's got the mm-hmm. spooky factor kind of going down. But then he had like some some good matches. And then in TNA to kind of wrap back to what Nate was saying, like there was some, some stuff that was given to him that was just like not good, but he still did it and like made, you know, the best of it for TNA for the company and helped get like a bunch of other people over Mm -hmm. at the same time. He helped make guys like AJ and Joe and, and all that. Whereas then Hulk Hogan came in and then fucking ruined TNA. So, I mean, I think that's the clear difference between the two. I think sting it comes across that he's always had a loyalty and respect for where he works. And that's why it took him, what, 14 years after WCW closing to go to WWF because he had such a respect for, you know, NWA, WCW, and, you know, saw The Rock do to Booker T, who in the blue hell are you, you? and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And even though WCW was no more and it was a complete shit show at the end there, he had this respect for it. And I think, in TNA, he had he had that, yeah. and and in AEW, clearly, like he's he's not afraid. Although he's undefeated in AEW, he's not afraid to give the shine to other people. And I don't think it's ever been about Sting. Whereas I think you know, 
Hogan comes into WCW, it's like, okay, how can we make how can we make this work for Hogan? He goes into TNA, you know, get rid of the six sides. That Hogan ain't doing that. Like, let's yep. and it's always been about him. How can I look the best here? How can I be the best? Whereas I think Sting has always, wherever he's worked, put the company and everyone around him ahead. And I mean, I think that's why he's so universally beloved. Yes. Um, and respected. The thing about Sting that I admire the most as a human being, but it frustrates me to no end as a fan, is how loyal and unselfish he is. Because as a human being, I'm like, yeah, like that's a stand-up dude. Like anybody would love to have a coworker like Sting. Uh, but as a fan, it always irritated me, Davey, because it's like, nah, when Hogan came in, like, yeah, you're a big star, but I'm a big star too, and I've been here. Mm. And he willingly was like, you got this. When he goes to uh, when he goes to TNA, there were times where I feel like Sting could have asserted his will more and been like, hey, I'm the big star here and we're not going to do this angle because it makes me look stupid. And that's not what we're going to do. And Sting was like, you know what? Let's do it. When he gets to WWE, if I'm Sting, I'm like, dog, you've been trying to get me for 14 years. This is not the finish we do in a WrestleMania. I don't give a damn what you say, Triple H. But he's like, hey, company guy, even though I've only been here for a few months, I'm a company guy wherever I'm at. So I respect your decision. You know, like, I think that's the thing. Like, there is a version of Sting's career, which maybe makes him more of a household name. Because because we all know Sting. We all respect Sting. But I feel like he's just kind of on the outskirts of being in that, you know, Hogan, Rock, Stone Cold, Macho Man, Ric Flair category to the general public. And I feel like Sting could have been there if he were more selfish, but maybe because he's not that selfish kind of uh, Terry Bollea-esque uh, figure, Braden, maybe that's why he's had the longevity. Because it's like, you know, you, you don't get the highest of the highs, but you get a long career that, you know, many different generations of fans can look at and be like, yeah, that dude was good. Whenever I saw him, he was good. It, it was a great career with all the different places that he's been. And then there was always talks of Undertaker versus Sting mm. that has to happen. It has to happen, please, while they're <laughs> while they're still able to wrestle. Please do it. And the world thought we were going to get that. And finally, when he comes into WWE, it wasn't quite that. Uh, he helps Dolph Ziggler win Survivor Series. And then he faces Triple H at WrestleMania and loses to Triple H at WrestleMania. Well, there's the story that... Um... You know, Triple H at WrestleMania 27 comes out to Metallica for right. whom the bell tolls. Right. And the story is WWE had purchased it for, for Sting. Sting and take because it. because Sting was then just doing these yearly contracts with TNA, wasn't mm -hmm. he? So it always came like, oh, is this the year he's going to sign? No, he's he signed on for another year. So they just used it with Triple H. Was like, well, I like Metallica and I'm <laughs> Faith and Taker, so yeah. let's do it. But but then but then yeah, like he kind of I, I wouldn't even say like his issue for not going to WWE all these years was literally out of his mouth was like the watching The Rock belittle Booker T that mm -hmm. he was like, nope, that's never gonna happen to me. And just out of curiosity, uh, today before doing the show, we watched all the matches we're gonna talk about, but we threw on some other matches. And we put on Sting versus Triple H. And that whole match is JBL being like, WCW sucks. Yeah. Sting sucks. This guy was a has-been. He wasn't a real star. He never he was, was a big here. fish in a small yeah, pond. Yeah, his loser mm. coming into our house. Like, just 
belittling him the whole match. So no matter what Sting loses to Triple H, whatever, if Sting at any point went home that night or the next day or however and rewatched that match, which is his first and only WrestleMania appearance, he would be probably brokenhearted a little bit because yeah. for years was like, I won't go there because they'll shit on me. Ah, well, things are different. Okay, I'll go there. And then right away, first chance they get, they come out swinging, just crap all over him in yep. history that he's... that he's. And it's like, I I really enjoy that match. I'm not going to lie. It's a whole load of smoke and mirrors and nonsense. DX versus but... NWO. Yeah, like, like it, that part doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, like... Zero sense at all. Um, but I, I think the match is ridiculously fun. Yes. Um, and they had the wrong finish. They had completely the wrong finish. And I, and I think their reasoning... That finish, not to cut you off, Davey, but that finish was so bad. And this is one of my favorite stories in the history of wrestling stories because just seeing the anger on Chris's face. Chris from L.A. The professor <laughs> got tickets to WrestleMania, was watching this match. Chris, like, like much like myself, Davey, grew up watching WCW. So he's here, he's watching it. Now, mind you, Sting Triple H is not the main event. Hmm. As soon as that finish goes down, Chris stands up in his seat in Santa Clara, says goodbye to whoever he's there with, walks out of the stadium, gets in his car, and drives back to Los Angeles, leaving the rest of WrestleMania in his rearview mirror. I talked to Chris uh, like a week or so after that. I was like, so you just left? He was like, yeah, I'm not going to stay around if that's the kind of bullshit they give me. Like a man of principles, Chris Ely left when when they when that's what they gave him at WrestleMania. I mean, a lot of people were pretty mad at the time yeah. when this happened. Now, I believe the reasoning was because um, they they have Ronda Rousey and The Rock on that show confront Steph and Triple H later in the night, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And I think the yeah. reasoning was they were hoping that that was going to be the match that next year's, and therefore you needed Triple H to look strong. They end up doing Triple H, you know, as the mm, champion against right. Roman Reigns. Mm. And so I think they're like, they didn't want to give him back-to-back losses, but it's it's wrestling. You've got a whole year to build up the guy yeah. again. And it was just such... you. We rewatched that match just before uh, starting, and it's just this deflation as it ends, you know, you, you think it's all going to triple H is reaching for the bat that the sledgehammer and Hogan takes it away. Again, it doesn't make sense, but <laughs> you think, you think it's leading to like the big moment, but the whole story they were telling before the match even started was nothing to do with WCW versus Correct. WWF, except on the day for whatever reason, it was like Vince wanted to get that extra yeah. dig in like years after they've, purchase the company still just kind of kill it and it's and- crazy davy because that's the actual story they were telling i liked because it made sense because it tracked with sting's character like going all the way up until wrestlemania the story was like stings like yo i've been around companies where people in charge took advantage of the talent mm. and you know he had a similar story in tna when hogan and them came in and he's like yo for some reason, I'm going to team up with D'Angelo De Niro, the Pope, and Kevin Nash, and we're going to fight Hogan and Bischoff and keep this company pure and keep this company a, a place where young talent can grow. And so, like, I, I dug that he came in and he's like, I'm going to help you, youngster Dolph Ziggler, who was 35 at the time, <laughs> uh, because I don't want to see this happen to another company. Like, all of that stuff made sense. 
And then as soon as we get to WrestleMania, no, it's about let's piss on WCW's grave. And it's like, come on, man. Yeah. And you wonder, we're in a, a pretty different era right now. If if we were in this era yeah. then, in 2015, how would it have been? Would he have just done, you know, four matches and and lately? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Triple H would still spend more money on a Terminator entrance than he did paying Sting for the match <laughs> to lose to him, uh, which was that. Yeah, Triple H got the Terminators and Sting got the drums. The drums. The Tyco yeah. drummers. Mm. Which was they, it was cool, sting. but it was just like, huh? Also, that match should—they should have waited until the sun went down. Dark. It was the thing is, it didn't get dark until the main event. Right. That was that was the only mm. match in in darkness at that thing. But, but yeah, but then but then look, the bright side. Then yeah, he he disappears after he has the Seth Rollins match. We'll go through the history. We have a whole set list of stuff to talk about here. But that's how great and, thing is. We ain't even got to the match. Exactly. Yeah, 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 that's how good this guy is. But then like yeah, his his run in AEW, I'd say is like successful and has gotten like new fans mixed with, with old fans and kind of a mixed match of that. And they've used him like sparingly and they've used him in the role like perfectly because he's become to me like, Oh, I know who Sting is. He's a legend and this and that. I love the history that he's had. But every time he was announced for certain shows, it's like, Oh shit. Okay. What's mm-hmm. this dude going to jump off tonight? Cause he's going to do something crazy and somewhat steal the show. It's interesting. Cause when he came into AEW, I remember us going, yeah, but he's, He's not wrestling, is he? And (laughs) it was all like the, you know, pandemic era. I kept saying he was coming in forever and people kept saying I was crazy. And they're like, are are you a journalist? What merit do you have to this? And I was just like, nah, I think it'd be cool to see Sting in AEW. And then he showed up one day and everyone's like, who do you Mm -hmm. know? (laughs) And for for weeks we're going, okay, so he's he's hanging out with Darby, but we, is he, he's not going to wrestle, is he? And I don't even think AEW necessarily knew if if he was or not and kind of it was almost like i don't get me wrong the pandemic fucking sucked yeah but it introduced us to you know like cinematic matches Mm -hmm. and they're going okay well let's see what we can do with sting in like a a pre-taped cinematic style match edited edited yeah and then they do it and it's like oh well fuck like let's just you can wrestle. Yeah. Let's let's just have the <laughs> matches, and they've done it so, yeah, like sparingly, uh, but still working. He's not just like hiding in plain sight. He's working still. He's doing crazy dives. He's um, so yeah. And I, you wonder if it, if the whole cinematic match thing wasn't a thing, whether they'd have taken the risk of putting him in a real match to start with, because yeah. mm. you'd have thought they'd have just put him on the pay per view. But also, it's like, oh, are we wasting Sting's debut in like a, but it, half a crowd? Or... Even at the end of the match, Justin Roberts says the winner of the fight. Right? Doesn't even call it a match because yeah. they don't want to technically put that on his career. I guess at that point, they do but now. Yeah. They do now, but uh, just interesting. Yeah. yeah. Then he's what got another four years out of this. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy. This is a dude we thought would never, never wrestle again, man. Yeah. After that Rollins match, and it's like. It's it's incredible. Yeah, especially after that Rollins match. It's it's insane the run that he's had and and still and still going. It's so much that we we dressed up as Darby and Sting just we last, did. last year. Yeah. So like <laughs> he's still inspiring. And you know what? I I saw people dressed up as Sting this past Halloween. Yeah. A few of them. So that's still uh still out there. It's still iconic. But 
We have a lot of matches. Yes, to go we should get into them. We've been jumping all over the place, but let's start with the first NWA Clash of the Champions, 27th of March, 1998. It's Ric Flair, the world's champion. Worlds. Worlds. Taking on Sting in Greensboro Coliseum, oh. uh, where we'll be in just uh, just a few days as you're listening to this. Because he will be retiring there. And uh, it's we did once a, a show called Best Match Ever, Shark Cages. And this is technically a, a shark <laughs> cage match because J.J. Dillon is suspended above the ring in a cage. We, we actually also, during the pandemic, when Sting came into AEW, we reviewed this whole show mm-hmm. in, in full. So mm. if anyone's interested, it's in the archives. So I believe this was going head-to-head with WrestleMania 4. And oh. uh, therefore, it was on TV. They were thinking, well, let's try and take some viewers away on free TV. Um, and therefore, they explained that normally a World Championship match would have a 60-minute time limit. But because of the television constraints, this is a 45 45- time limit match nice and we go into it uh and we start our first question of the show uh of this match who has the better woo flair or sting oh come on <laughs> can't do that on sting show like sting's got a good you know woo kind of this thing. is more of like a woo like yeah like a yeah. scream isn't it yeah, like a like a like a rooster or something yeah but but rick flair is like woo so so here's the way i would de- uh, delineate the woos like sting's woo is you just finished a six-pack of, of, of uh beer uh and then rick flair's woo is you just finished the fifth of cognac like it's like woo. Yeah. whereas things like whoa yeah. <laughs> there, there's a difference there they're, they're similar but different fellas I like how, like, clearly Rick was doing the woo first and Sting being under Ric Flair's wing and everything. Like, <laughs> you know, Rick, I need something to, like, help me get over. I'm trying to think of something. It's like, don't worry, baby. You'll think of it. And then Sting's like, how about I take yours and just do it a little bit? He's, he's like Vanilla Ice. Like, yeah. you know, Queens You're was Sting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I go this way. Ting, 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 ticky, ting. I would say Rick's has evolved because here he's like going, woo. Yeah, like that. Rick, Rick's got like like ten different versions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we have some judges here. We've got uh, Patty Patty Mullen from Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. Uh, find it on the archive and Playboy. Um, Jason Hervey, who doesn't judge. Mm. Fucking Jason Hervey, who may or may not have costed Sting the title later on. Jason Hervey, match. but yeah. Uh, also, what goes on to do business with WCW? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and Bischoff, I, they may still be business partners, but yes, they had a long-standing are. business relationship. Yeah, these two, uh, th- these two go on to be boys. But here he is as a kid. Uh, we've talked about him in a few different movies we reviewed. He's he's one of the brothers in Back to the Future. But here they're promoting him. At, what he's Wally, unlike a a reboot of the Beaver or something like right, that. That's, that's what right. Pushing here when they're promoting him, but. Mm. This fucking kid, man. This this guy. I, yeah. I just he just looks like he's got a punchable face. So they're there to make sure we have a winner at the end of this match. Bear that in mind, guys. Yeah, remember that <laughs> end of this forty-five minute long yes. match. <laughs> so uh, Flair knocks down Sting early, who kips up immediately. We get a big chop from Flair, and Sting comes in with a big beal and drop kick, sending Flair out of the ring. Uh, there's this leapfrog from Sting and an impressive military press slam. Uh, Sting just, yeah, very athletic here. 
he then does this uh, head scissors uh, takedown and a hip toss. Sting's just dominating here. Uh, I like how on commentary they say that they have standby matches as well in case it doesn't <laughs> go the full length. Yeah, I like the extra dedication yeah. to, to kind of trick you to be like, hey, you know, this could end soon. Uh, Flair does his flare flop, then gets into control, sends Sting out of the ring, but Sting lands right on his feet and comes right back in, and Flair starts to cower away. Uh, Flair comes in with some more chops, but gets picked up again into a military press, and then delivers this bear hug and actually takes the bear hug to the mat and is trying to pin him while squeezing the air out of him, which you don't always see. Uh, Rick starts selling by saying, ah, my back. Good selling, Rick. Uh, and then Sting whips him hard into this turnbuckle. Uh, there's more cowering weight from Rick and Flair then sends Sting into the guardrail on the outside starts delivering some chops but Sting fires up again he does his kind of no sell where he's absorbing it and just looks pissed off yeah the crowd get really hyped into I mean they've been hot since the beginning of it but they are just absolutely screaming at this point Flair is cowering away again but this time it's to lure Sting in who delivers a clothesline but Rick moves causing him to clothesline the ring post uh, they're going at it again and there's a suplex from rick from the apron sorry from sting from the apron into the ring which was really impressive strength the scorpion death lock but fair gets to the rope uh sting scales to the ropes and it's a high cross uh flair comes back with the shin breaker and we get the court 15 minutes remain as flair applies this the figure four uh, Sting manages to get out of it and delivers another suplex from the apron to the ring, this time a delayed version, and applies a figure four of his own. Uh, we get the five minutes left call, and Rick is just backing away as Sting is dominating. He's punching him down in the corner. Uh, Sting goes for a pin on Rick, but Rick gets his feet on the ropes. Uh, Flair then said Sting to the outside again, and this time Sting's head just bounces off against the concrete floor. Uh, Sting comes back with a knee to, sorry, Rick then delivers a knee to the back of the head of Sting and then dumps Sting onto the floor again. And now Sting dives over the rope with a sunset flip, but this time Rick is holding on, kneels down to get a pinfall and is holding onto the ropes, but the referee notices, kicks the hands off, uh. allowing Sting to roll him up for a great near fall. I thought that could be it there. And then uh, sends Rick into the corner, who does his classic flip over, runs the apron, and then hits his high cross. But Sting rolls this through for another two count. We get the one minute remaining call, 45 seconds as Stinger hits the Stinger splash, applies the Scorpion death lock, 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 15 seconds, 10 and we go to one as the bell rings. It's a 45-minute draw. So we go to the judges' vote. The Frankenhooker picks Ric Flair. I mean, that's it's kind of she's kind of with him. If you watch the show, it's kind of like <laughs> yeah, it's, revealed that she's like there as a guest of Rick. Yeah. Conflict of interest. <laughs> Gary Juster picks Sting. Um, I guess. Jason Hervey abstains. And no time for Jason Hervey. To and play, Sandy <laughs> Scott calls a draw, which means the match is a draw. Like, mm. how does this happen? Also, did they watch this match? Because it was Sting about like 
80% of this thing. Yeah, exactly. With a few chops from Rick. Paddy Mullins, the, the fix is in there. Sorry, but like, why be a judge if you're going to sit on the fence? Ah, it's, they're, they're both good. Draw. Come <laughs> and on. And where's Jason Hervey? Yeah. So they yeah. clearly were like, Jason's like, and I choose, no, no, it doesn't matter what you choose. Yeah. <laughs> the draw. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so the kid is just sitting there for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Because yep. he's not actually a judge. I will say this Jason Hervey as a young teenager. He's not old enough to vote yet. Yeah, he's not even actually (laughs) old enough to vote. He's wearing a very nice, like, watch here that I'll never be able to afford. But, wow, just so bizarre that, like, the the story of the match is like, hey, we're going to go to a vote. Okay, well, we're going to vote. And, no, 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 you don't get the vote. Therefore, ah. (laughs) <laughs> everyone's a winner it's a draw uh but you know what uh it, this is a pretty iconic like match and an iconic kind of finish whether we like it or not because it's just so ridiculous i we we've gone off on this finish before that fucking jason hervey he yeah. screwed sting mm-hmm. uh however this match made sting because this is like the match that like catapults him into next level superstardom this isn't where he beats rick flair he eventually does beat rick flair right nate it's the great american bash. great american bash yep yeah which is also a really good match as well but i think this is the one that everyone kind of remembers and watching it back today i'm like oh yeah i can see it. again like the the magic's in the air the crowd are just completely behind this rick flair obviously being like the old school heel and and legend but he's like the superstar so he gets crazy reactions but he helped like create made stink look so good in this match. And obviously the ending is kind of wonky with the finish because really in hindsight, it's like it, it, the crowd were so hot for him. He should have just beat Rick here. But uh, I'd say, I think after, I think I've watched both of them in the, in the last few years, kind of back to back. I think I might prefer this one just because of the story and, and the crowd and everything. So I'm glad that this was the one that we picked for this. So uh, what did you think of this match, Nate? I think I slightly prefer the uh, Great American Bash match, but that's because that's where I first kind of saw who Sting was. And then, you know, I had to wait, you know, back back in the days, fellas. Y'all, y'all don't know my struggles. Y'all don't know my trials and tribulations. <laughs> I had to wait until Clash uh, or, or there was some Sting compilation that came out at Blockbuster. Wow. And I could finally see this match like a year or two after it actually took place. Uh, so, you know, the, the Bash match was the one that, it was when I first kind of like, oh, yeah, that's my guy right there. Uh, but this is a good match, man. I love the finish. Judges aside, like, I think you could do the same exact match without the stupid judges and mm. get the same result. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, Braden, credit to Ric Flair. Say what you will about this man as a human being. But as a performer, he is still, you know, to this day, one of my favorites of all time, Bell to Bell, uh, just because of. His ability to work with whatever the other person brings to the table. And we saw in this match, Davey, Sting's still pretty young in his career. Uh, doesn't have, you know, the the 10,000 holds of a guy like Dean Malenko. But he does have raw athleticism and that physical charisma. And Rick just, you know, was able to take that and give us a hell of a match. Like the fact that, you know, Sting went 45 minutes with this dude and didn't once look like, oh, he's he's lost. Or he doesn't know where he's going, or he's out of place here. Like you got to give a lot of credit to uh, Flair and and Sting, man. Just, I think another thing people kind of uh, lose uh, focus of or, or lose lose track of when they talk about Sting's career is once he injures himself, he's never this athletic again. But he still finds a way to adjust and still be a great performer. 
Uh, but this this thing, man, like just yeah, jumping out like like hops for days, Davy Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has so, he's His not, drop kick gets look, high. He's only like six. He, he's six two. Like I'm about six two, and it's like he has some crazy hops. Yeah, like, especially back in 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 these old matches, and yeah, like the Stinger Splash. There's so many shitty wrestlers throughout history who will continue to use the stinger splash and and dirty the the stinger splash because it used to be a respectable move because when he ran at you he, it looked like it actually it looked good the, and the thing they be like military yeah. press as well yes. just he gets him up so easy yeah. yeah and that 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 suplex from the apron i always think of cesaro when you see that move just mm. it's it's strength. pure strength pulling him in like that and I think, Davey, another thing that maybe kind of gets lost in the sauce a little bit is, you know, watching this with 2024 eyes, we've seen dudes do crazier things in terms of, you know, quote unquote, high flying. But in 87, for a dude sting size to leave the mat as often as he did, like that was kind of new. And that was, you know, at least in America, yeah. that was kind of new to see a dude like the size of thing in terms of like not only height, uh, Braden, but the mass of, of, of my, my guy, uh, like to, you know, the drop kicks, the elevation he got on those, some of those drop kicks. It's like, yeah, Sting Sting was, a uh, like, he wasn't quite there yet. Like he, he still was pretty raw, but it's like, yeah, there's, there's something with this dude. There, there's a reason flair was like, yeah, that's going to be the guy. Yeah. I find, uh, like, I think today people have perfected sort of the, the like epic like 45 minute one hour thing where there's like a bit like more chapters in it i'd say i do find uh watching quite a lot of rick flair like we've done the steamboat show as well when Mm -hmm. he goes broadway it's quite repetitive you know it's it's the cowering away Mm -hmm. i do a few chops i flare flop you're in control and it's it's a little repetitive for me and i think now you've you just see like way more variation in a in a broadway match but like the last 15 minutes of this i think are so exciting and the crowd are with it the whole way it's such a loud crowd um and i think there is something flair is known as being the guy who'd go broadway all the time and in the audience's eyes seeing someone like sting hang for that long like we kind of saw it last year with you know people who might have been criticizing MJF of being a promo guy and not a wrestler. Okay, we'll go in there for an hour with Brian Danielson. And it's like, all right, I'm wrong. This guy can hang. This guy can go. Yeah, and I, I think you see that kind of thing. And I think, as you said, Nate, at this point in his career, he's he's still raw, but like I think proved himself to a lot of people with this match. And I think it's the right decision not having Sting win it right here. You know, it it makes people want to see him win it even more when that eventually happens. But I think you could have done that just with the, the time limit draw. And then you can add a stipulation the next time that we have judges if we need them and you don't go to the judges, but it just, it felt a bit of a dumb ending for me. And it, and it does take a little bit out of it for me in a, in a weird, strange way, because I'm twisted and I have this strange sense of humor. The silliness with Jason Hervey just really elevates it all for me because (laughs) I'm like, this is what I love in my wrestling. These guys just wrestled for 45 minutes and the story heavily was pushed. Like, there can only be one winner. We have mm-hmm. to choose. In fact, we got judges to make sure. 
and they still can't fucking. It's this Sandy Scott guy. I bet he like just wanted to go to the bar. Sorry, who won? I don't know. It's a draw. See you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, my Uber's here. Like (laughs) Mullins, like anyways, I'll be in Rick's dressing room waiting for. And it's like, oh man, what the fix is totally it. I, 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 we've talked about this match before, and I, I love Ric Flair's in-ring career as well, Nate. And uh, I'd say after watching like a lot of his matches, they are very repetitive. But at the time, that was way more advanced than a lot of other people. The formula worked. Yeah, the formula is what now, like which like every wrestler somewhat follows now today. But uh, I'd say for the sake of this show, like I, I would go very, very high on this match. If if not a full five, somewhere around a four and a half to four seven five because uh, mm-hmm. i've watched it a few times and it's so good that every time i watch it i can still really get into it and shout out jim ross's very young and very high-pitched mm. <laughs> there. his voice really changed over the years uh oddly enough yeah, yeah. gets a lot less enthusiastic around 2022 <laughs> i'd say uh nate what would you give this match yeah i'm, I'm right there with you uh brayden like i feel like this is not the best of the Flair Sting matches, uh, but it's damn, it's a damn good match. And yeah. considering it's their first real outing, yeah, uh, it sets the tone. It sets it's the important. template. Yes, very important. Put Sting on the map, as you said, Davey. I, I'd give it a 4.5. Yeah, I, I'd give it with today's eyes like a 4.25, but I think kind of, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh inflation or whatever you gotta <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i'll take it to a 4.5 um Meltzer has this at 4.75 cage match and 8.83 i mean so for for uh dave Meltzer, that's pretty high that's uh, the seven stars yeah yeah um i looked that match in the tokyo dome dog exactly if it was it'd be a, a lot higher uh, i looked up to try to find the uh, Sting VHS you were trying to find. But instead, I keep finding Sting and the Police the very best of. So, uh, unfortunately, you'll still have to be on the hunt for that one. No Ric Flair involvement in that DVD. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you mentioned the Tokyo Dome. Well, let's go there. 21st of March. All right, that's all I'm going to give you for free for now. So, if you like what you hear, check out the rest of the show over on our patreon.com slash poisonrana. Again, five bucks to become a friend, and you get hundreds of shows, so many reviews, and things like movie reviews, wrestling reviews, and so much more. So, give us a shot, patreon.com slash poisonrana. And I appreciate you fine people listening, even if my mic sounded weird because the setting may or may not have been on the right one, but uh, that was my bad. Anyways, appreciate you guys. Love you. Take care. Goodbye. And be safe. Woo!